0: This past week, I went on a field trip with my son's first grade class. We went to the botanic gardens, and one of the stations during our time there was for the kids to plant a seed, a pea seed in this little cup. Now, if you've ever done that with elementary age kids, you know how this works. Uh, Basically, they, you know, plant it in the dirt and uh, bury it under the soil, put a little water in, and then they look at you and they say, so when, why isn't it growing yet? I go, why isn't that? What's going on? And the weight is hard. And <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and this is Easter. We're so honored to be celebrating with you today. Today is the day that we remember that Jesus, like a seed, was buried and rose again. And that is what we celebrate today. And so today we're going to talk about hope, and that's a good thing because. Hope is one of those things we can't live without. We need hope like we need oxygen. And if you live long enough, hope will disappoint you. I mean, life will disappoint you. Maybe you don't get married when you wanted to, or you had hoped that you would have children, or you had children but you had hoped they would be the kind who would listen on the first time. <laughs> or maybe you had hoped they noticed you for the promotion. Hope will disappoint us. Life will disappoint us. And you wonder in the face of disappointment, is there a hope beneath all the other hopes? Is there a hope that's like an ultimate hope? Is there a hope beyond mere circumstantial optimism. Is there a hope that can stare life, stare death, stare tragedy in the face and not flinch? And this man Jesus kind of haunts the human race because he says that there is. Jesus was quite convinced that precisely when things looked their darkest, from a human perspective, was when God was going to shine the brightest. So out of the darkness of Good Friday rises the hope of Resurrection Sunday. To talk about hope this morning, we're going to talk about three things. Seeds, cemeteries, and Haiti. Seeds, cemeteries, and Haiti. Let's talk about seeds. Jesus talked about seeds one time. He said these words, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat Falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is a strange, peculiar teaching of Jesus. Now, think about this idea of seeds that Jesus spoke about. Think about it just on a physical level for a moment. Imagine that you are that seed that Jesus is talking about, and one day you get thrown into a hole in the ground, and the dirt gets shoveled on top of you, and imagine that you are that seed. You're probably thinking in that moment, I guess it's all over now, No air, no light, no sunshine, covered by earth, can't move, can't see. You are probably thinking, this is the worst. This is the end. I've just been buried. And then this strange little miracle occurs. And it's so common, we almost forget just how miraculous it is, but it still is. Something, we don't know what, high above the earth says to something deep within the seed, rise up. And it does. And a little shoot starts to reach up out of that seed through the earth and towards the sun. And little shoots shoot down into the earth for nourishment and what had looked like the end for the little seed turns out was just the beginning of something good and true and beautiful and new what looked like the worst thing for that little seed turned out actually to be the best thing the only thing the seed wasn't buried it was only planted The scriptures say this, Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Why does it say that little phrase, on the third day? And if God is going to raise Jesus from the dead, why does he wait till the third day to do it? Why didn't he just raise him right away, Good Friday night? Why does the author have that little phrase on the third day? Turns out that's an important part of this story and my story and your story too. So, in the Jesus story, we have three days. Day one is the day when Jesus dies on the cross and is buried. And you and I will have Friday sort of days too. Friday's the day where something dies and gets buried. Sometimes that's a person. Sometimes that's a dream or a hope or a wish. But on Friday, something dies and gets buried. And then in the Jesus story and in our stories, we have Saturday. What happens on Saturday? Holy Saturday? Silent Saturday? That is the day of waiting. It's the day after death. It's the day before resurrection. So much of our lives is lived on Saturday. And then... And then, on the third day, when all hope seems lost, when all human effort has failed, God brings resurrection. And the resurrection is not something optimistic people bring upon themselves, or smart people figure out, or positive people just sort of bring unto themselves. It is not something that disciplined people endure long enough to discover What happens on the third day is supernatural deliverance that only God can do. And throughout the scriptures, we see these third-day stories. In ancient times, the Hebrews understood God to be a God of deliverance, a God who hears and cares and acts. And very often, in these stories throughout the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, very often God saves, delivers, rescues, heals on the third day. So in Genesis 42, Joseph's brothers get out of prison and they're released on the third day. In Joshua, the spies are told to hide out. They will be rescued on the third day. In the book of Esther, she hears her people are going to be killed by a genocidal maniac and she fasts and she prays and then she's received favorably by the king on the third day. Abraham was about to uh, lose his son Isaac, and then he sees a sacrifice that will save his son on the third day. Over and over and over again, God is a God of deliverance and healing and salvation, and it happens on the third day. And in all these stories, it seemed all hope had been lost. It seemed like the seed had been buried end of story. But it had not been buried. It had just been planted. And God was about to raise up something good and true and beautiful. And there is just something so powerful about someone who chooses to rise again out of the ashes of desolation to hope, to love, to create once again after they've been decimated. And I wonder about you, because see, the thing about being planted that you have to understand is it feels exactly like being buried. It looks exactly like being buried, except it's right there, very often when things look their darkest, that God is about to do something unimaginable. This year, we turn 10 years old as a community of faith in this city, and that is pretty exciting. And I just think about all of the stories of the first 10, I just think about all of the times in someone's home, or at a coffee shop, or in my office, where I listened and heard stories of Friday, personal Fridays. Discouragement of divorce, or depression, some sort of personal desolation, the agony of waiting for a child, or for love, or for a job. I think about all the times I heard stories in the first 10 of a personal Friday. And I think about all of the times that I was witness to that story's resolution. All the times when I stood and officiated a wedding we thought would never come, or held a baby we prayed for for years, or just saw someone laugh again after a season of deep pain and mourning. Those dreams. They weren't buried, they were just planted. And the thing is, is we all love hope. At Easter time, we all love hope. We love stories about hope. It's spring. We love to walk along the streets of Denver and see the little sprouts of flowers pushing up through the earth towards the sun. We love, at springtime, to think about the power of positive thinking. We love thinking about having an optimistic attitude. We love to think, if I just approach life with enough confidence, I will draw good things unto myself. But that is not what Jesus was saying. Jesus is saying nothing like that. He is first explaining what's about to happen to him unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. See, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to die on a cross. He's chosen to die on a cross. He believes if he dies on a cross, something terrible and something wonderful will happen. A great power will be released in the world that could not happen if he did not first die. It's interesting what Jesus did. I mean, think about cemeteries for just a minute. Go to any cemetery, and there are more crosses on gravestones than any other symbol. And yet the cross... The cross was a means of torture. It was a means of brutal humiliation. It was a means of execution. Like nobody in their right mind is going to put a little electric chair or a noose on a gravestone. But go to any cemetery, there are more crosses found on tombstones than any other symbol. Why is that? It's because of Jesus. Jesus. It's because he used the cross, he used the darkest moment of his life to display God's brightest light to all the world. The darkest day in history has become the symbol of hope for all the world, unless a seed falls to the earth and dies. In just a minute, we are going to continue flowering the cross, one of our Easter traditions here. Which is this beautiful example of how the darkest day in history has become the symbol of hope for all the world. See, the rulers in Jesus' day, they thought, the powers thought, that they would use the cross to stop Jesus. Romans had perfected crucifixion as a mean of, really as a means of ordering the world at that time. Ordering the world through violence through power, and Jesus decided he would use the cross to show humanity what the love of God looks like. Jesus decided he would use the cross to show people what God's love looks looks like, to show people the power of forgiveness over hate and life over death, to show people that enduring, irresistible strength of sacrificial and humble love And so Jesus suffered hate without hating back. He was mocked without mocking in return. He embraced untouchables when no one else would. Jesus spoke courageous truth to power. And that made the powers that be really mad. They could not stand it. And so they hung him on a cross and killed him, and they buried his body in a tomb, and they thought, that's the end of that. That is the last we'll ever hear of that problem. But they were wrong. Because on the third day, on that third day, something way up above said to something way deep below, rise up, and he did. And this is our Easter hope. Turns out Jesus was not buried in that tomb. He was only planted. And so maybe so are you. Do you know where we live our lives? We live our lives at this intersection of hope and despair. That's our world. Frederick Buechner said it like this, the resurrection means that the worst thing is not The last thing. The resurrection means that the worst thing is not the last thing. But of course, all of this means nothing if you do not respond to it, because you will get buried. Our world is that way, our lives are that way. What Jesus taught is true for seeds and for me. And for you, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. And the invitation is to be buried with Christ and to be raised to new life. It's why people throughout the Bible would say things like, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live, I now live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But because of the third day, because Christ has risen, we too can rise. And when it seems like you have been buried, maybe you have just been planted. In Romans, Paul says these words, if the spirit of him... Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. This is our hope. A hope beyond mere circumstantial optimism. A hope underneath all the other hopes. On January 12th of uh, 2010, Port au Prince, Haiti, capital city of Haiti, was buried in an earthquake. Infrastructure totally wiped out, technology totally wiped out, homes buried, 100,000 lives lost that day. And that night after the earthquake, the aftershocks were rolling through the ground. Almost all of the residents of the city and the surrounding countryside decided to just stay outside that whole night and those first few nights after. They stayed outside all night, torn with grief and fear to see that their homes had been buried, some of their loved ones had been buried, and the dreams for their city buried along with it. An article in NPR summarized it this way. For the Western Hemisphere's poorest country, the earthquake that hit Haiti was an especially cruel blow. Despite this, it's hard to find a Haitian who doesn't profess a belief in a loving God. And on that night, when all was lost, no power, no electricity, no infrastructure, Do you know what countless people did that first night? Do you know what they did that night as the sun set and the moon became their only light? They sang. All throughout the countryside of Haiti, those first few nights, people sang out in grief and lament, in prayer and in hope. When everything around them had been buried Literally, they still had a song. Many of the Haitian people had something that some of us have almost lost, and that thing is hope. Hope not based in mere circumstantial optimism, but a deeper hope, an ultimate hope, a sort of hope that can look tragedy in the face and still sing. A hope that's an anchor when your life is literally sinking. A hope that produces a song that rises up out of the rubble. Here's the thing. Because of Easter, you can have it too. We can have it in our homes, that kind of hope. We can have it in our churches too. Why? Because Christ has died and Christ is risen and Christ will come again. Let's pray together as we close. God, we thank you that in you our hope is found, that you are our light in the darkness, that you are our strength when all of life seems to be failing, that you, God, are our song. God, I thank you that we do have more Reasons to sing than to fear because of what you did on Easter morning. And now as we prepare to come to the table of communion, I invite you to pray along with me as Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. And the words will be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.